Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. So you know I've taken the last two weeks to talk about qualification, acceptance, disqualification. But before that, anybody remember what book we were in? Galatians. What Bible was that in? What version? <laughs> the Word of God. That's true. There's stuff of you. Such a wise man. But now, for a few weeks, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. <laughs> it's written to the church in Ephesus, according to uh, the Word. And then after we've looked at the book of Ephesians, we're going to go into a few weeks of looking at what Jesus did. Remember we did that some time ago, what Jesus did, generosity, giving, worship, whatever. And we're going to look at a few of those again. And, and then on the 25th of December, we're going to look at what Jesus did. When he gave up divinity to become man for us. Now we know it's not his real birthday that we celebrate, but it is when we remember it together as a community. And it's that time that you have the opportunity to tell your friends and your family to come and hear about this. I promise you, if you bring people who do not know Jesus, he will be introduced to them on that day, unapologetically. Easter and Christmas are the days when we have an opportunity to invite people with, to church. It's just a fact. People that like religion more than relationship, come. I'm not trying to build this church and fill the seats, although that is your responsibility as much as mine. If you can see an open seat, it means you haven't invited somebody. Just saying. But invite them on Christmas. Bring them. Let them be introduced to the one thing that will redeem their lives forever. But anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. So when we looked at Galatians, you know that Galatians was a, a book, a, a, a letter written to a local church. Remember we went through words like, I'm perplexed by you. I'm confused. I am irritated. I'm frustrated. I'm my beloved children. You, you cause me pain and anguish, but I love you. you. Remember all those words that Paul said to them? It was this very intimate letter from a father type person to a church that he loves and adores. Ephesians is not that. Ephesians is written to something more of the universal church of Christ. Not the ones with the little heart and the dove that you see painted everywhere. Not that universal church of Christ. The church of Christ that we are all part of. This body of Christ. Cornerstone, Church on the Way, the Dutch Reformed, the AFM, the universal church. And when he wrote this letter, it was given, some of the commentaries say, with a blank space where the name of the church was. Because he wanted it to go to different churches. It would be in, in, in your understanding if you're on corporate or in business. You know those never-ending, never-ceasing circulars that get sent? Now we all have to write with blue pens. Now we all have to write with font size 14. You know those circulars that happen to go through businesses and everybody's informed with that? This is what he was trying to achieve with this letter. He writes it, and then it was sent to the church in Ephesus first and then circulated to Colossia and to the other churches. So the style of the letter is not as intimate. It's almost, some of the commentaries say, it is almost 
impersonal in how he writes this. You remember Galatians was the book that we said was written to help us from getting distracted, confused, and derailed. Galatians is the book that explained to you why and how salvation works for all believers. It's a book that tells you no more Greek or Jew, no more slave, no free man, all equal before God. Ephesians. Ephesians. Yeah, okay, I'm going to get confused between Galatians and Ephesians. That is what Ephesians is. How do you read it nowadays? Because you all are asking me now, John, what do you want me to do? I want you to do a Bible study on Ephesians. I want you to go and read it with the, the mindset that I'm going to learn that the gospel of Jesus, the salvation, is inclusive. Not me, myself, and the four other people that I like, that look like me, that smell like me, that speak like me, that I'm comfortable with. It's this letter written to shake you out of your comfort zone and say, come on, do something for this, for this God who is worthy and tell of his salvation message. So I'm expecting such great outreaches. After this book. Like after today, next Sunday, we're packing out more chairs. Because you guys are all going to go and invite extra people. Some, some info, it was written in AD 61 to 64. Paul was already in house arrest in Rome, in prison. And he writes this letter and he, he sends it out. I like how Helene wrote this. She says, in Ephesians, the word church... Reverse, refers to the universal church rather than the local church. In it, Paul informed the Gentiles of their new calling, and he discloses the mystery of the body of Christ, in which there is neither Jew nor Gentile slave, nor free. And I felt this is a book that is so relevant for us now. Because you know what? Um, Trevor's been reading through the, the, the history of, of God generals, the reformations and the revivalists and, and all of those things. And he comes to me and says to me the other day, you know what? It lasted for one generation. And then it became an institution. This is the book that guards against that. This is a wake-up call from Christ, God, to us to say, I love you so much. I'll give you another revival. I'll give you another reformation. What will you do with it? Lombronians, what are you going to do with it? Revival means do something different. Make alive what has died. Can you make alive what has died when we read through the book of Ephesians? It's a challenge. Not, not like it's difficult. I'm challenging you. I'm challenging myself. Let's do this. Let's read a, a good portion of scripture. We're going to read Ephesians 1 from verse 1 to 14. If you're reading from the English Standard Version. The first heading says, greetings. Are you all there? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Lovely blessing. You ever phoned a friend and said, I'm just phoning you to tell you grace and peace from you. 
from the God, our Father, and Jesus Christ. Nobody done that? Okay. Next heading in the English Standard Version. Spiritual blessings in Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, agape, unconditional love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. The beloved being this personification of unconditional love, Jesus Christ. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. Made new, redemption. The forgiveness of our trespasses, sin. And aren't we all just grateful that there is forgiveness for our sins? According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fulfillment of time. And why has he done this? Because he wants to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. It speaks of the division that was brought be- between God and man in Eden with the fall of, of man. Verse 11, in him we have obtained and inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory." Lots of glories, lots of wills, lots of purposes, lots of pleasures. A lot in this portion. Spiritual blessing. One thing you can, you can know is there is a spiritual blessing. You don't have to apologize for the spiritual blessing in your life. The problem is that we have made it our way that we want to receive a spiritual blessing. And we want to receive it wrapped in a ribbon that we like in a shape that we're comfortable with. If it could be in some Nelsons, that would be nice. Thank you, Lord. It's not speaking about financial blessing here. It's speaking about that, that thing that God worked out to say, I will make you my people, and I will do it, not you. That spiritual blessing that comes firstly from being connected with God yet again. No more shame, no more guilt in the presence of a holy God. In Cape Town, we had the youngsters in our church, and they would often come at nauseam and sit and debate with us predestination. They would quote this. He had predestined us. So if he's predestined some to be accepted as children, he has, is, is it right to say that he's predestined some not to become and as he predestined us to do this, and he is, he's predestined us to, to sing and to, to work and to... You know what? He has predestined each and every one of us for a unique and special purpose and will that is only found in pursuit of him. The predestination that he's talking about here is that you are predestined to be reconnected with God once and for all. That's it. Don't get 
caught up in this mindless debate of words and semantics when you read his word. We do not have the capacity to understand the fullness of his loving word ever. But let's explore this. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to talk about the Trinity because I love to speak about the Trinity. I find that if we understand the Trinity, the triunion God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it settles a lot of things in us. Then we're going to look at, at um, a couple of things that I've called holistic beings, but I'm very nervous to use that word because it is a new age word. But I want to talk about our past, our present, and our future again. The different angle. And then I just want to touch on something of the will of God. Is that okay? So when, when Lainey and I worked through this, she said, maybe you should say it's three sets of three. So maybe it's three sets of three. I've just called it Ephesians intro. Is that okay? Let's do this. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we know was together at creation. Now some people would say, no, there was only the Father and the Holy Spirit. Because then you can call it an us. And then when the New Testament was written, God decided to make Jesus. But it doesn't hold water because it says the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. There was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right from the beginning. This beautiful union of different persons, one being. Now, in my sense, at the age of uh, between 12 and 15, I had to make sense of this thing because I think I also thought, is this a split personality being that I'm having to deal with? And then somebody explained to me, oh, no, 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 now you need the Holy Spirit. Now you need the Son. Now you need the Father. And I couldn't get my head around this. Because on the one hand, they present to me there's a one. And on the other hand, they present to me, oh, but you can have one of the the one? Anybody else grew up in a church like that, in a background like that? We found it utterly confusing. So in my mind, I started settling things. I thought, okay, there's the Father that gives instruction. There's Jesus that came and he's the doer, the executor. And there's the Holy Spirit that brought the power of everything to be done. And it made sense for me in my, my, my little brain from like 13, 14, 15. But the problem is even that doesn't express the fullness because it gives certain attributes to one of the persons of the, the Trinity and, and it takes it away from the other one. I want to say God is the, he is the strategist, yes. But it doesn't mean Jesus isn't a strategist and it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit isn't a strategist. I look at how God has sent people to this church through the Holy Spirit, divine strategy. I look how Jesus dealt with different people and there was divine strategy. But then you get something of the triunion that is called divine subordination. It means at certain stages, one of the Trinity gave instruction and the others listened. The Father sent the Son. Jesus says, then I will ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. And it goes through this divine subordination. But I wrote a couple of things. I said, you have to understand more about the Trinity. There is no division. It's not like there's a room for the Holy Spirit, there's a room for the Father, there's a room for, for Jesus, and they don't mix in. There is no division between them, they are one. There's no lesser or greater person in the Trinity. They are equal. There is unity. There's oneness. 
There is very different expression of the divinity. Different function, one person. There is honor. And Jesus said, I'll ask the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit honored it and he came. The day of Pentecost. This is a beautiful platform for diversity and unity. If you ever listen to Ravi Zacharias, you will hear him always talk about unity in diversity. I want to say you guys as a congregation, you get it. We're diverse. Look around you. Take a good look at the people that call themselves Lombronis. We're different. Some of us would like to believe we are the perfection. But we are different. But we come together on a Sunday and we praise our God with one voice. You go through that portion that I've just read in Ephesians 1, and it starts. Let's be the God and Father. Father. Who blessed us in Christ, the Son. And then it ends with the seal of the Holy Spirit. From verse 1 to verse 14 contains the Trinity. Do you understand the Trinity? Are you just comfortable with one of the expressions? Maybe you've had a good dad and it's okay for you to relate to a father. My father is late. He was absent in my life, but he was good to my sister. I didn't know how to relate to a dad. Jesus made sense to me because <laughs> Jesus forgave my sins. And sure, I have a bucket load. <laughs> I like Jesus because Jesus made me better and he made me not go to hell. I could relate to Jesus. I would now hold on. You're telling me I'm going to speak what? If the Holy Spirit comes on me, how? And I might fall over. What? I don't relate to that flakiness. I'm out. And let me tell you, I grew up in a Pentecostal, Pentecostal movement. There wasn't somebody screaming in tongues. It wasn't a Sunday. High pitched. And the same person brought the interpretation. <clears throat> I wasn't comfortable with that. Are you comfortable with the Trinity? One of my friends said for a time she was comfortable with one of them. Maybe two of them, but not the other. She just stopped talking to them. She was rebuked by God. <laughs> asking you, are you comfortable with the fullness of the Trinity? Because if we're after God's presence here, we are after the fullness of the Trinity here on a Sunday and there a Monday to a Saturday. Sometimes you need the hug of a dad because life just knocked the wind out of you. And sometimes you just need the courage of Jesus to say, I don't want to die, but I'm going to do it anyway. Even if it's just in my reputation. And sometimes you just need a quiet whisper from the Holy Spirit to keep you going. Because your, that thing is better than a Red Bull. The Trinity. Are you comfortable with the Trinity? Can I ask us as we, we explore Ephesians, that we explore the fullness of the Trinity. 
I'm going to ask you to let down your guard sometimes when you maybe put up, here's a wall, God, Father, you know, that's your wall. Could I ask you to maybe take a brick or two out of that wall and just look through and see that he's a good dad who is for you and constantly pursuing you? And maybe if you've become so comfortable sitting and watching sports on a Saturday when Duan takes the team to Alex, maybe you can just take a brick out of the wall that keeps Jesus at bay and say, okay, I won't go out today, but I will pray. Anyway, let me not belabor the point. That's the Trinity in a, in a crude summary. But the reason I explain the Trinity is because the next point that I've called the holistic being, your past, your present, and your future, has to do with that. If you look in verse 4, it says, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. It's talking about the Father choosing us. I want to say to you in this portion, you should read that God the Father redeemed your past. That He chose you before you were even thought of. Because <laughs> He's so excited to think that I was, I was on His mind before I was conceived. He chose me. You know, and then, then what happens with, we, we have children and then we, we take out education policies. Any good parents in the house? Yeah, we take out for our children's education. We put a savings account for one day when they need a car, we can buy that. And then, yo, and we all admire those people. They are such great parents. They are thinking about the future of their children from the day that they were born. But we never give the same credit to God the Father who thought about you and chose you and redeemed everything that you were ever going to get it wrong and paid the price for you. He took your past away and he took out a policy and he said, don't stress, I've got this. Paid in full. Your past is answered in the statement that says you were chosen before you could even say, I'm available for choice. Second point, present. Verse 6, it says, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. It's only one that is the fulfillment of unconditional love here on earth. Jesus Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Struggling with living in the present today? Let me remind you about Jesus Christ and the grace that he lavishes over you every day. I'm telling you, if we're going to explore this thing of this Ephesian church that is it's spoken to us to be relevant to all people out there, not just our shape and form and our likes, we need the grace of Jesus to be poured into us so that it can seep through us to others. Because I'm telling you, I don't like all people. There are certain personalities that I'm not comfortable with. But I don't have a choice. Because they've also been chosen by Christ. And I have to love them. Because He has chosen me and poured His grace out in me. Your present. It should be seasoned with the grace of Jesus Christ. 
And if you find yourself in that point where you say, I don't have the time or the inclination to spend time with this person, please get a good friend that will tell you, you were the same at some point. That is where the present becomes accountable in God when we have godly friends and brothers and sisters in arm. The next thing, the future. And I like this one also because I love to know that there's good news coming. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. The Holy Spirit comes and He seals your future. You know, we, we like this inheritance message as a people, or maybe I just do, because I like to know I'm going to walk in an inheritance now. It's tough, man. But the scripture says, you're not going to walk in the fullness of your inheritance right now. I want to say if you're in that, that category where it says, I'm just going to name it, claim it, and prophesy that my inheritance has fully come now. I don't think it lines up with the scripture. I think we see a degree of our inheritance now when we fight for souls. And God blesses us with what we need and what we desire because it's his promise to us. But we're never going to walk on this side of Jesus' return in the fullness of our inheritance. That's what the Holy Spirit comes and does. It says, Johan, your little box of inheritance here is sealed by me. I, I grew up, I didn't go to, I didn't do conscription, national service. Thank God, I think I would have died. I really do. It might have been good for me, but yo. But you know, my mom used to send packages to people, my uncle and, and friends of ours, and she would take that wax and drip it on the little string. And then it would be sealed and the, the post office would accept it. Can, can anybody remember those days? Millennials are all looking at me like, what is a phone? Is it not a smartphone? Can you remember how they used to seal it with wax? And if that thing was broken, it's broken. Why do you think it says in Revelation that there's only one worthy to break the seals? Because one day, we're going to stand before the Lamb, and He's going to break the seals and say, here is your inheritance, and He's going to lavish it over us. Right now, we see glimmers of it, and it's good. When we see His nature, and His miracles, and His signs, and wonders, it's part of our inheritance. But I'm telling you, it's much more of His redeeming nature that we are seeing than our entitled inheritance. Our futures are sealed in Him. It is secure. Can we live with a little bit of gratitude and thank Him for that? Every now and again, just be reminded that, that He is the one who gave it, not us. It's a sad day when you see Christians walk with a swagger instead of confidence. May we never as a people walk with that. I'm wrapping up with Will. My last of the three of threes. In verse 5, that long sentence about he predestined us to be adopted. 
according to the purpose of his will. You know that word purpose means pleasure, design. The first thing we need to grasp is that we walk in the pleasure, his pleasure of his design. The purpose of his will. Have you ever pursued his purpose for your life and asked him, what is your pleasure for my life? My Lord and my Savior. I really think we're going into a season where God is going to equip each and every one of us to walk with the pleasure and his aroma of his design for our lives. Which brings me to the next will. Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will, of his design for your life. That word mystery means silence. Nothing is spoken. It's when you come to me and I say to you, I know what you're getting for your birthday. Tell me, tell me, tell me. I know what you're getting for your birthday. Silence. I'm like Fort Knox. Ask my wife. I buy gifts months ahead of the time. And then I taunt her. And I'm like, I'm, I'm locked. You can't get anything out of me. <clears throat> That's that word. It's secure in silence. It's kept undisclosed. You know what that speaks of? Submitting and trusting his design. But now we're not okay with his design because, oh, I don't, I'm not comfortable to walk in what I don't know. Do you think Peter was comfortable with it? Come to me, Peter. Okay, God, step out in water. And as soon as he starts thinking, well, where's my next step? He starts sinking. What are you thinking about? <clears throat> You're not comfortable with trusting in a good God who has only good things in mind for you because His design brings Him pleasure for your life because He's in His sovereignty choosing not to disclose the fullness of it to you. Do you know if you go to a three-year-old on the 1st of December and tell them, under that Christmas tree, there is a bicycle wrapped in that wrapping paper. The 1st of December. What do you think is going to happen by the 2nd or the 3rd? If they last till the 3rd. That thing is ripped to pieces. The wrapping is off. They're looking at it. You say, what happened? Oh, I just wanted to see. The moment is lost. The gift is spoiled. They've cut it with a carpet knife. It's now got scratches on it. Okay, maybe not a carpet knife, but you get what I'm saying. We're not that reckless as parents. Do you not think that as we as parents know that our kids can't handle things at certain stages, that God knows us better? No, we're going to stand like spoiled little brats and say, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us. We won't move. We shall, we shall, we shall not be moved. Submit to the mystery of him because he's safe. His will is good. It is a good design for your life. It is the best fit when you're in that place. We sat at a wedding yesterday, and um, it was Will and Jenny's wedding, and his boss sat next to me, a German atheist, and he just said, how did you get to be a full-time minister? So I told him something of my journey of being in corporate and running engineering firm, being a CEO of a production company and 
running an education center. And, and he said to me, is that how you journey to get to full-time ministry? I said, no, no, I don't think so. He's like, so why did you end up there? I'm like, because I always wanted to do it. He's like, what a joy to do what you're passionate about. Stop looking at psychologists to tell you what your passions are. Speak to the one who made you. And settle it. The last of the will. <laughs> I think I've overshot my point. It's in verse 11 where it says that he works all things according to the counsel of his will. The beauty of this amazing triunion God who will sit and listen to us when we say, God, I know you want me to go to the army, but I don't like a khaki uniform. And he says, let's talk about it. Maybe I can send you to the Navy. This God that doesn't have to get your input or your permission once you have said, I submit to you, chooses to engage you. And say, let's explore this together, my beloved. Oh, you like to sing, but you have no gift. Here you go, sing. Let me open a door for you into the nation that you like. Stop thinking that you are entitled to anything. Start living with gratitude that His will is perfect and pleasing for your life. Start understanding that His past, your past has been redeemed for you because He has chosen you. That He has poured His grace over you. That He has sealed your future. And let's explore this book of Ephesians with everything in us. You guys up for the task? Now the men should say, I thought I'd run on a theme song up to the front today, but Marion said it might be a bad idea. Can we as a people, even if it's just one step that you have to take closer to His will, do that. And if you've got the courage to run a few steps into His will, can you do that? But can we just not be a people that are stationary and stagnant and still and getting unhealthily big. Please, can we do this?